All right, Mule Tip Tuesday, and we are on the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, my name is Ty Evans, and uh, I sure appreciate you guys spending your time with me today. I got a lot of good questions. Every Tuesday, if if you're new, every Tuesday we do Mule Tip Tuesday, and great people like you send in questions. Um all kinds of questions, everything from, I mean, training particulars uh, to problem solving to um, philosophy on mules and mulemanship and, and horsemanship and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, we got a lot of great questions today. I got a handful of them, so I hope I can get to all of them. Uh, I want to start off by thanking a brand new sponsor. I want to welcome Ben Lewis with Roman Home. Uh, ben builds these amazing tents. Uh, a lot of you guys listening right now, you guys are packers. You like to camp. Uh, you like to get out in that amazing wilderness, great outdoors, and enjoy life on these mules. And And Ben has put together an awesome tent called the Nomad. Uh, it's kind of a mix between the range teepee and the wall tent, two of my favorite tents ever. And he's kind of combined the two uh, to make an awesome four-man tent that is is just really a really cool tent he came over here the other day set one up at my house and it was it was really neat so if you're looking for a really good tent you can pack on your mules uh you need to look up ben uh you can find roman homes uh excuse me roman home on instagram and it's spelled r-o-a-m-i-n-h-o-m-e roman home and uh, also go to their website, romanhome.com. That's, again, Roman, R-O-A-M-I-N, home.com. And they got a special going on right now uh, where you can save 500 bucks on their tents. So, and this Nomad tent, Nomad tent, it comes with a, a really good stove and they're built right. <laughs> it even comes with a hammer. I can't tell you how many pack trips I've been on where I end up using a rock to pound the stakes in. And he even puts a hammer in, in the bag. So anyways, uh, really appreciate uh, Ben at Roman Home. Uh, really looking forward to this relationship here. So, well, let's jump in to our Meal Tip Tuesday. Um, you know, today I wanted just to give you a quick little message about taking the time that it takes. Um, and going slower is usually going to get you there faster. Um, today we were working, uh, a couple of guys are down here. One's from Colorado or California and the other's from Idaho. And they're down here for, for the week, uh, doing a little semi-private clinic. And, and today we went up the Canyon and had a little, uh, you know, ha had a, had a nice little ride and, you know, it was fun just to, kind of mosey up the trail, relax, take the time that it took on little things like water and going over the logs. And, and uh, you know, one of the participants here named Scott, um, you know, he, he was going around the trees, going around the brush. And, you know, one thing that he said he really appreciated today was learning about um this whole idea of, of when to put a little pressure on, when to take a little pressure off. 
and presenting it to the mule in a way that they can understand. And the main thing is, the main focus is to, to just try to make everything as easy as you can make it for the, for the mule. You know, and take the time, go slow enough that you can set it up in a way that the mule can understand. You know, one little example of this is, you know, as he kind of went off trail and went over there and over here, I said, hey, look, look, for, look for ways that your mule can see the way and take them that way. Make, make it easy, you know, and take the time, you know, to do that. It's not, we're not in a hurry here, you know. And it was nice today on this trail ride of ours that everybody could just kind of, like I said, mosey up the trail, take the time, work through particulars, and we didn't have any destination in mind. And it's just great to ride with people that are willing to do that. And I know a lot of times you're not with a group that would give you the time to work on that stuff. So whenever you are, whenever you get the opportunity to ride with really great people, just enjoy it because it, it can be rare. And other times you need to be that person that everybody wants to ride with because you will take the time. So make sure you're you're that person that's that's taking the time it takes and being patient and helping people that way. So all right, let's jump into some questions. This first one comes from Kate Vassell. A little bit of reading here, so give me just a moment to read this and, and I'll get to answering it. So uh, she starts by saying, oh, the circles we made today. Walking too fast on the trail, so we did roll the hind roll fronts over and over and over. Then got behind, of course, and had to keep circling because she couldn't find the pace I wanted her to get to where she quit needing to be with the horses so much. We had about an eight-mile day overall and a few sessions of circling. I never just quit circling but managed to find places to stop. We had brief breakthroughs but never really had a light bulb moment. My question is this. When you're working on this and the group stops, gets to a gate, gets to lunch spot, gets to the trailer at the end of the day, etc., and your mule is still fixated on getting to the group, moving faster than desired, what do you do? I made sure that I didn't just get to the gate, waiting, group, lunch, tie up, stand and chat and huddle or trailer and let her stand there where she was hustling to get to. I kept her a little bit away and did some roll the hind roll the front, centered circles and little serpentines. If there was enough time for me to settle, I would let her stand and relax away from the immediate cluster or other animals. At the end of the day, I probably could have done a lot more to have a great yes uh, to end things, but there was not time. I was at least able to get her to a better place than she was leading up to the arrival at the trailer. I felt like I was doing the right thing, but was not able to do enough of it. I don't often have the opportunity to ride with people that can help support me with this endeavor. Tips on how to work on this. When she probably could have done miles more circling with no full stops before having much of a breakthrough. Thank you. Okay, Kate. Excellent, excellent question. First of all, I'll start by saying this, because I think this is probably the most important part here. You don't have to have an amazing breakthrough. Um, this is challenging for us. This is going to mess with your brain because, you know, in this generation, in this time, we are quick fix it now people. Okay. We need results right now, you, you know, and, and, and if I need something fixed, I, it was, it was needed to be fixed tomorrow, uh, you know, yesterday, 
you know, and everything is in a hurry. And I'm no different than anybody else on that. But when you're working with a mule, it is not a machine. It's not something that you can you can just fix and work at and get it done today. It's something that takes a lot of time. And, you know, it's important to realize that, you know, contrary to what the, the movies say and, and some of these things that have set us up to think this way and, and, and even some people, you know, you don't get those big breakthroughs on these rides like this. It, it's rare to get this amazing breakthrough where all of a sudden your mule is totally 100% comfortable at, at, at being away from the group, you know, like you, you say you want to be or going the pace you want. It, it's, it's not common to have that, at least for me. It's not like, a, you know, well, I can fix that right now. It doesn't happen. It's a process. And so something I look for caves I'm riding is, is I'll do a little bit each ride. I want my mule to be a little bit better each ride with this. So I'll get to where, you know, maybe let's just say the first time I go out, you know, the best I can do is is stay back from the group 10 feet. So I just, I just put a 10-foot barrier from me to the next person ahead of me, and I just try to make it as comfortable as I can for that mule to be 10 feet away. That's it. They don't need to be 11 foot away, just 10 foot away. And, um, of course you don't have to pull out the tape measure or anything. You don't have to get all, all engineer. Um, no offense to my engineer pals, but it doesn't have to be exact. You just say, Hey, I want to be about this far away. Life is going to be good. And that's where I, I want you to hang out and you make it as good as you can 10 feet back. Okay, the next ride you go, and maybe you can get 15 feet, maybe then 20. Maybe then you can you can be 30 foot back, you know. Maybe you can be 30 foot over there, out over there in the trees, paralleling, whatever it is. But little by little, you'll stretch the rubber band. You kind of got to warm that rubber band up. If you've ever played with a rubber band, you know it's stretchy, and you, you can kind of start by kind of stretching out a little bit, and it's still kind of pretty tight. And then you stretch it a little bit more until now this rubber band goes pretty far. And, um, but if you pull too hard on the rubber band, you're going to snap it. And same thing with the mule. I don't want to get out so far away from that comfort zone that they snap, meaning they just can't take it. Because what happens if you push too far, then you get this big anxiety override where that instinct kicks in and it's just all about, I got to get back to the group. And the only thing on that mule's mind, and it sounds like this fits your mule, the only thing that was on its mind that day was I got to get back. I got to get back. We're too far away, too dangerous. So I would, uh, if, if, it, if it was me, I'd, I'd just take a little slower and, and just do a little bit less, um, initially, and then do a little bit more later. Um, you know, and in the beginning of the ride, maybe you can only say, all right, I'm going to stay five foot back from that person in front of me and then six and then seven, then eight foot, then 10 foot. Maybe by the end of the ride, you can get 10 foot away. But if you go to fight and right off the bat, you want to be way away. It, sometimes you step in a hole that's too deep. Okay. The other thing is you want to make it as excellent as you can away from the group, even when they do stop. And I know that was part of your question, what to do when, when they stop. So say they get to that gate and they're all waiting for you guys to go through the gate. They get back to the trailer, there's a lunch spot like you asked, whatever. You know, I'm going to make it really, really good. Again, to be 10 feet away, just remember your distances like that. Just, just set it up for the day. And okay, I want to be, it's going to be comfortable 10 foot away and just maintain that all the way through that, even when you stop. 
And if they want to be closer, if they're fighting you at that point, when you're, you know, when you are, the group is stopped, well then, yeah, you might get a little busy by the other animals and make it not so desirable, make it a little bit more difficult to be by the other animals so that it's easier to be away from the animals. Um, you know, and you did a good thing, you know, out on the trail, uh, you know, roll the hind roll front. That's probably my favorite move, um, along with the, the, the ribbon exercise, the roll the hind roll fronts is where, you know, you'd, you'd roll the hind quarters 180 degrees so that now you're actually faced away from the animals. And then you bring the front towards them. And my goodness, it, you guys have heard me say this before, but you'll have the best turnarounds on a herd bound mule because they'll just turn right, right there. They'll just spin right around do that 180 and it will feel like it should feel. <laughs> so, um, you know, but the ribbon exercise is basically, you know, every time they would charge up and go faster than I want to go, or, um, every time they, uh, you know, kind of break that, you know, that line, let's say that 10 foot we're talking about, I'm just going to make a full circle, just a regular circle. I'll go to the right first and then I'll go back up and they, they breach that line again. I'll go to the left and I'll just do the ribbons. So these moving ribbons about over and over and over again until, you know, they find that comfort zone, but you got to be obvious with the comfort. So anyways, those are a couple of suggestions for you there, Kate. I hope that helps. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Just, uh, you know how to get a hold of me. You guys can email me, ty at tsmules.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, just look up tsmules on either and you'll find us. But I'd love to hear what you think of that, Kate. Okay, the next question is from Scott Poindexter. Uh, he's, he's back east. He's in Tennessee. He got a mule named Memphis. And uh, Scott came to our clinic for a couple of days um, when we were in North Carolina. But anyways, he has a question about how how do you cue for the canter and you know um his, his question kind of goes on to ask uh, or, or mention a few things you know when i'm first teaching them to canter i say i want to make it easy for that mule to get into the canter okay first of all so usually i just start by asking them to trot and trot really fast and then just break over on their own okay and once they get and pretty soon i just try to get that more punctual so that I don't have to trot same in an arena. I don't have to trot three quarters of the arena before they lope. I get down to where I can trot half the arena and then a quarter of the arena, then an eighth of the arena until it's just a couple of strides at the trot, then they can lope. And then I get them to, to where they can go just right from the trot to the lope, you know, within two strides, they're there. Okay. And then, and then I get to where I can go from the walk to the lope just you know and, and and again that might take a little bit might take a few steps and then they get into it i want to get to where i can just walk and then lope and then i get to where i can just do it from the standstill and that takes a long time you know it takes it, it really takes months and months of practicing this to get it accurate without brace because you don't want to build brace you do some of the stuff too fast you're going to get them to where they're resistant and they build a little brace okay so but his question is on the cue. How, how do I physically ask the mule to lope? First of all, I will consider what lead I would like the mule to be on. Now, if you're going straight, it really doesn't matter which lead you're on, but you still need to choose a lead. You got to choose. Um, if you're going to be making a bend one way or the other, then the lead does matter. If you're going to be going off to the right, well, you'd like them on the right lead and 
and if you want to you know if you want to go off make a circle to the left you'd like them on the left lead so let's just say you're choosing the left lead whether you're going straight or that left circle okay i'm going to have my left leg well, let's start with let's go in order here okay seat leg ring my seat my seat i am i am slightly slightly forward on my seat bones okay so you know when you're sitting straight up in your saddle and if you're listening to this sitting somewhere you can just sit straight up right now and you can feel your two seat bones under you as long as you got two seat bones all right and notice when you tip forward you can tip forward just enough until you don't really feel those seat bones much anymore that's too far forward for your lobe okay um so teeter back just a little bit and right there just when your seat bones are kind of balancing right there between sitting straight up or leaning forward that's about where i want to be with my seat and if i want to go to the left like if i'm going to lobe that left circle i'm going to be looking slightly left kind of at a 45 degree angle from the mule off to the left i'm going to be kind of looking that way and that's going to change the angle in my seat in my saddle just a little bit to where it'll put a little more pressure on my right seat bone now they can feel all that in the seat and they will over time they'll get sharper and sharper that's kind of how i'm going to sit okay so that's the seat part now leg i'm going to have my right leg back in third gear third gear is right there by your rear cinch if you're riding in a western saddle uh, I'm gonna have my leg right there and when I'm using my leg I mean my leg I don't mean my spur I don't mean my heel I mean my leg my calf okay and that's where I'm gonna have my leg and it's gonna be making some contact it's gonna be on there so seat leg now my my left leg is gonna be kind of out of the way a little bit it's not it, it's it's gonna be helping me if I can't quite initiate that lope and I need to bump them with my legs uh, it's going to be there to help me kind of do that. Okay. Now my rein, I slightly want to use my left rein to tip the nose just a little to the left, the direction I want to go. Okay. My outside rein is, is loose. So I'm tipping the rein, uh, kind of on that 45 degree angle, basically whatever angle it is that I'm looking. If I'm looking and I just want to make a, I just want to make a big gradual circle. That's all I'm going to pick up my rein. If I, if I need to lope off to the left, you know, a pretty sharp circle. I'm going to be looking over there a little bit more and pulling, picking up my rein a little bit more over there. But that's basically how I ask when to lope. And, you know, use that life in your body. You know, bring that energy all the way up from your guts and just help them find it right off. Um, but go through that process like I, I already mentioned, and uh, that'll work good for you. So thanks for the question, Scott. Let me know what you think of that. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Uh, got another question here from Amy Klingler and, um, kind of on the transition topic here. Um, she's, here's her question. I was wondering what some pointers were to being able to sit a trot. As long as the trot is slow, I can sit it. But as soon as there's any real speed in it, I start bouncing around. So start to post. I just finished listening to a podcast where you mentioned it was good to be able to sit a trot. Thanks for all you do. Uh, thank you for the question, Amy. I appreciate hearing from you. Um, okay, here, here's the deal with the trotting speeds. It, just picture the slow, medium, and fast trot, okay? I sit a slow trot. I post a medium trot, okay? And then, of course, the extended trot or your fast trot, I'm on the balls of my feet. I'm forward. 
I'm kind of standing up in the saddle. I'm not really even posting. I'm just kind of standing up in that saddle, off of the saddle, really. And I'm and I'm forward. My seat bones are almost off the saddle or barely hovering above the seat, and I'm forward. So, you know, yeah, you're right. As long as the, the trot is slow, you can sit it. Now, you can, you can kind of learn how to sit a medium trot, too. Now, the fast trot, sitting that is, is not recommended uh, from me. Uh, just because it's super uncomfortable, like you're saying. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I prefer to, to, to post it or, or stand that trot. But, um, you know, some people do have a hard time even sitting the slow trot. And this is what I recommend to them. Post, post like two or three strides, sit one stride. And then post two or three, sit one. Post one or two, sit one. You know, post one, sit one post one, sit two. And, you know, little by little, you can get to where you can kind of learn that balance. And then you, you kind of have to learn how to take the hit, take the shock of, of that, of that step, that stride and let it out all the way down your heels. You know, the, the hardest thing that you'll have if you're wanting to, um, sit the trot is, is if you squeeze your, your knees or you squeeze your, your calves or your ankles against the animal, that's where you're going to really have some trouble sitting anything because there's no way for that shock to absorb and go out. I want that shock to go out my heels as I'm trotting. So anyways, good question, Amy. Great to hear from you. I appreciate that. Great questions today. Here's a few more here. So let's keep on rocking, huh? Okay. You know, if you guys ever have questions, I mentioned it before, but just send me an email, ty at tsmeals.com, and make sure you put in the subject heading, question for Meal Tip Tuesday. Or you can always go to our website, tsmeals.com, that's tsmeals.com, and go to the Contact Us page, and there's a little contact form. You can fill it out and send over your question. I'm happy to answer and I, I appreciate the questions. This is good stuff. Okay. Um, Mitch David wrote in. And Mitch says uh, he's looking for a little advice. A um, couple of mules uh, where he lives, they, they, they don't wear shoes. Um, but he's gone to Colorado elk hunting. And, um, you know, he says a few people needed to be shot. Or, excuse me, a few of their mules, a few of the people's mules needed to be shot. There we go. Um, and he's trying to decide if he should chew his for an upcoming trip he has out there. Uh, wondering if he should chew all four or just the fronts. And then uh, second question is regular shoes or put some drill tech on or what? So, Mitch, you know, I would ra I would rather be safe than sorry on the shoes, okay? So, you know, you're going to, you know, it sounds like, um, it sounds like, uh, you know, you, you, this is a big trip for you out to Colorado. Um, this is going to be a big deal for you and your family, or your friends or whatever. And gosh, when you plan them big trips, I just hate to get out there and have a mule get sore or, you know, and then it develops maybe an abscess or, or whatever they get sore. And, you know, you don't want to deal with any of that. So, you know, this trip being as important as it is, I would just put shoes on them, use it for the trip. And then when you get back home, pull the shoes off. As far as all four, yeah, I'd just put them on all fours. That way you're prepared, you're good to go, and uh, don't have to worry about it. Now, as far as the drill tech, um, you know, uh, 
I, I've just never found a need for it. You know, I do shoe my mules on occasion. Um, and it kind of depends on the type of rock you're riding in and where you're going. Now, I got a lot of friends that, um, you know, back east, some Amish friends and stuff that, you know, they do a lot of stuff out on the street, out on the asphalt, concrete. And I understand, you know, putting drill tech on something like that. But, you know, in the mountains, you're going to you're gonna be going across dirt. You're going to be going across granite, you know, maybe some shell rock, maybe some sandstone. I don't know. And, um, you know, I don't think you need drill tech out there. Uh, somebody else might have a different opinion. Of course, I'd ask your farrier on, uh, on that, um, you know, what maybe you should do for your mule. But for me, I just use regular flat shoes, and uh, I'd put them on all four and enjoy your trip. Okay, thanks for the question, Mitch. Let me know how your trip goes. I'd love to hear from you. All right, let's see what else we got here. Okay, let's go with this one here. Jake Edmonston. Jake Edmondson writes in, uh, how do you recommend utilizing transitions to teach a horse a mule to walk out fast? Okay, Jake, if I want to get a mule or a horse walking out faster, I'm going to just kind of just do a little at a time, um, and I'm going to reward them for every effort. Okay, every little effort, I'm going to say, good job. And I'm going to build it to where they enjoy walking out. Uh, a lot of them kind of naturally walk out. Some of them don't. So it just depends on the animal. Uh, what Either way, though, you need to reward it and say, good job for trying. So um, basically what I would do is I would start by shifting up and down from a slow walk to a medium walk. And get to where the transition is good and to, to where I can go to that medium walk really punctually. So I'm walking slow up to the medium walk, down the slow walk. Get that transition, the in-between, sharp. Don't worry about trying to hold the medium walk very long or try to hold the slow walk very, very long. Focus on the transition. Now, the more punctual the transition, um, you need to reward them. You need to tell them good job. You need to, and, and you do that by leaving them alone a little while. Um, so maybe, maybe I get them to do that medium walk and they were punctual. Well, then I'm just going to back off. I'm going to let them kind of find a pace they like. I won't ask them a whole lot of questions. Just, just kind of hold on cruise control basically. Now, once that transition is going good, Jake, then I am going to try to shift up to that fast walk. Now, in the very beginning, I'm just trying to get the fast walk, just discover it, just what it is. So basically, I'll ask the mule to put a little more life in there, a little more energy. Once they find that little life, a little energy, I back off. Now, they may go way back down. Don't try to hold it, okay? Just let it go back down at that point. And I'll do that until the transition is faster, uh, meaning the change of speed. And then I will work on getting that getting that speed, holding that speed for a little longer each time. And before you know it, you can carry it. Now you can utilize that formula pretty much trying to get anything done, the trot, the lope, whatever. So anyways, there you go. That's how I do it, Jake. The main thing is, is reward before you try to hold it and get that transition punctual before you try to hold it. People try to hold that transition or that speed, I should say, too quick. So that's a great question. Uh, hey, friends, we're going to take a quick break right now, and we got a couple of really good sponsors to thank, and I'll be right back. i got a 
few more really good questions coming right up. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson do an amazing job with their magazine. I've been writing for them for a few years now, and uh, they're great. Look up westernmulemagazine.com and check them out. Hey, I want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout-out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom-built saddle, that fits mules and fits you you need to check out colt salary you find him on facebook colt salary and uh, tell him ty sent you he will take good care of you all right welcome back um you know i appreciate those sponsors so you know the, they make this podcast possible and they're great people all of them are great people i really appreciate them so if you ever get a chance just send them a little message. Maybe if you're on Facebook or Instagram, just send them a message and say, hey, thank you for supporting Ty and Sky and TS Mules. Very grateful. So, okay, let's jump back in here. I got some more good questions. Um, this one's interesting. So, Andy Acereto. Andy's a cool guy. Um I'd love to get Andy on the podcast here sometime, but he came to my clinic in Dunnigan, California. Any of you that have been to Bishop Mule Days have watched Andy, uh, along with Rock Creek Pack Station, uh, do their pack scramble. Just a cool dude. And, uh, you know, he, he's really proud that his last name has the word ass in it. <laughs> and he rides a mule. So that's what he told me when I first met him. So anyways, Andy Acereto, thanks for sending the question, my friend. Um, Andy has a question about his meal, Paulina. And, uh, I met Paulina this, uh, spring. Long story short, uh, Andy has been doing 15 minutes of groundwork, give or take, before he gets on. And she's been bucking when he gets on and he asks her to move forward. Um, and here's where he wrote, she will stand but when I move my hand up and forward and squeeze a bit, she takes about two steps and starts to buck. Uh, she does this about three out of five times. I just got back from a mountain riding trip. And we had a good day of about four hours of riding. The next ride, it was going well. Then all of a sudden, after about two hours of riding, she got to bucking. I came off this time. We were on flat ground, and I was riding a loose rein. The next day, I saddled her. Did the groundwork check off, got on. She took about two steps and got with it. I picked up on her, uh, walked her in a circle, let her go, and she started again. Picked up and did a few more circles each direction, but every time I let her go, she tried to buck. I decided not to ride that day. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Well, thank you for the question, Andy. Um, sorry for your troubles, my friend. Um, here's a couple things I'd check, okay? Because what's happening here is typically a mule that's just a little bronchy, uh, you know, and there, there's... You know, I got a colt here I'm working. It's just a little touchy and, you know, but, but that'll be, I'll have issues with that toward the beginning of the ride, not toward the end. Definitely toward the end, life is really good. <laughs> so, um, typically when it's in the beginning, some things that I would recommend checking out Andy, you know, and, and these are just simple checks, but check the saddle fit, you know, is your saddle causing some pain because, you know, and, so, and here's the deal. Some mules can take it. 
They really can. Some horses can take it. They really can. But some mules and horses can't take a bad fence saddle. Check your saddle fit. You know, the other thing I might do is is I might check her teeth. I've had a lot of mules that get a toothache. They lose a tooth, get an abscess, or something comes up in their mouth. Um, you know, they, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and they get sore. And, you know, you do anything with them reins. Uh, you know, and you know, you say, you say here, you're, you go in these circles and she's fine, but then you go out of the circle. She's not. So maybe when you picked up on that rain, you're making the circle. Maybe you pick the bit up off of whatever pain she's feeling. Then you put it back down and she goes to it. I don't know. That's just an idea. Okay. So I, I'm not there. So I can't give you an exact answer of why. And even if I was there, sometimes I can't tell you exactly why, um, you know, uh, they could just be sore after some ride. Maybe your saddle's fine, but you just use them up and they're sore. I don't know what it is. The other thing that I would check on in during my groundwork is I'm going to probably turn things up a little bit. If I'm having issues with a mule wanting to buck, I'm probably going to turn it up a little bit to where I'm putting a little more pressure on. There's just a little more anxiety there, a little more stress. Then I'm going to take it down, back off, let them self-regulate, let them relax, and try try to get them in the best frame of mind that I can. Okay? Um, I'm going to check on all those things. Uh, the other thing you might do when you get on, if this is if this is happening and you're, you, you've checked out these other things, you, you're pretty sure that everything else is okay, um, you might get on and... Just trot for a while. Um, I might get on and I might I might long trot something that's pretty bronchy. I might long trot out through the sagebrush for a mile or two and then start asking particular questions. Um, I'm not sure that exactly fits you and Paulina, um, but, you know, she's touchy enough and I saw at that clinic that that might be it. She's maybe a kind that needs to burn off a little steam. Um I don't know. Maybe she needs a job. Maybe she needs something more specific. The, the trails are, are challenging on a mule like this. Just trail riding a mule like this is not really advised because they don't get enough of mental engagement. You know, if you find somebody with some cattle and, you know, it's amazing what cattle will do for a mule that wants to buck. And you got to go move some cattle from here or there or, or gather or do something. You know, sometimes that takes their mind off. Um, you know, the other thing I might do... Um, is I'll get on the mule and ask the mule to bend laterally. Let's just say to the, to the right, ask the mule to bend laterally to the right. And so basically you got the rein and you're holding the head bent to 90 degrees. And then you might just get your right leg back and, and roll the hinds and release and just stand there. Don't even ask them to walk off, but just pick up on that rein, get them to bend and roll the hinds. We do that a lot in colt starting. That's an option there too. Um, now, if you're here and we're having this issue, you need some help, I might lead the mule by a foot and let you ride it while I'm leading it by a foot. Um, I might pony you on this mule. Um, I might flag you in the round pen on this mule. So, you know, maybe you're riding the mule in the round pen. I'd be there in the middle, probably on my mule or maybe on the ground, and she got a little bothered. I might drive her through it. Um, you know, there's a lot of behavioral things you can check on. After you have made sure that it's not pain, it's not your saddle, it's not their teeth, blah, blah, blah. All, all those 
all those things, you, you check those out first because sometimes it is just something simple as that. That That's the easy stuff to fix, okay? The behavior is the more challenging stuff. So, um, you know, then we get into behavior there. And and sometimes, you know, uh, a mule needs to be packed a little bit. So if you're having some constant bronc rides, you might consider, and, and you're a dang good packer, um, and you got many friends that pack, so you might consider packing Paulina for a little while if you're getting a lot of this and put the loudest, noisiest loads on her and let her kind of get used to that. Th that might help too, you know. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to probably the most important aspect of all of this. Above all, I just want to make sure that mule is centered. If they're centered, and I got all the four quarters handled where I can move the fronts and the hinds, each foot, all four feet, where I can move those. If if, though, if that is checking off, then, I mean, at a true level, if it's really checking off, then you're not going to have this bucking issue. You know, I got a colt right now that I'm working that I mentioned that is a little bronchy. And you know what? I don't have all four quarters broke by any means, not even close, not even close. So I know if I did... And when I do, life will be much better for me in the saddle. I promise I promise you it'll be better. So, um, But i got to work at getting control of all four quarters, and that takes some time. So you can you can do that on the ground, do that in the saddle. You know, serpentines are one of my best friends for a mule that wants to buck. Short serpentines. I'm, I'm talking stacking these things to where if you're traveling 100 foot down the trail, man, in 100 feet, you could you could just do about 50 turns in that hundred foot section, just pile them on, um, you know, things like that. So those are a few things to consider, Andy. I know that's a lot of bouncing around, a lot of answers right there, but, uh, that's about, you know, the best suggestions I can give you, um, for those situations of them wanting to, to maybe buck a little bit too. And, and, uh, one last one I'm thinking, and maybe just how you worded this question, but, you said that when you want to go, you kind of move your hand up and forward, and then you squeeze it a little. So sometimes they get a little bit troubled when you do squeeze your legs. That that can bother a lot of them, that just constant squeezing. So when it comes to just moving forward, I might just bump my legs, bump, 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 and uh, just make it easy for them to go. So that's just one last little note that I just noticed I better better mention for you. So anyways, Andy, let me know, uh, what you think, my friend. Um, and let me know how it's going with Paulina. It's good to hear from you. Okay. Let's go to the next question here. This question is from Nick Paff. Ty, I recently was given a mule from a neighbor down the road whom was bucked off three times and said he'd gotten worse every time he rides. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. That's, you know, uh, whenever you're given a mule, that's always a, a red flag. I've done quite a bit of groundwork and found the mule doesn't know anything, so I basically started fresh. That's a great idea. You know, whether you whether you know the mule knows or you don't know what the mule knows, start over. Start over. So you're doing great there, Nick. I have roughly 20 rides on him now, and he rarely offers to buck, and when, when he does, it's very weak and more of a kick out. My problem is that he will not turn unless it's the way he wants to go. 
I've been doing circles with cones and figure eights, and he'll turn okay but there, uh, there. But when I ride out towards the gate of the arena, he stops listening and tries to leave back to the barn. Same thing. When trail riding our property, it's, it's a fight to get him to head out. And when he does, it's hit or miss if he'll listen. I'm subscribed to the online videos, so if there's a video you can point me towards or just some standard advice, that'd be great. Okay, Nick. Good question. Yes, there are some videos. Uh, and if you guys didn't know, we have a video library. I got now over 240 videos on there, I think. And there's a few on there, Nick. There's a there's a herd bound, which the lesson in the herd bound videos absolutely applies. I got a video um, on the trail of me dealing with a mule that was herd bound. Her, herd bound, gate sour, barn sour, trailer sour, all these things. They're all the same. They're all the same problem, really. Okay. Now, the turning here. So, so let's back up here to the beginning of this. So. You know, you started over fresh. That's that's good. You've done quite a bit of groundwork, and you found the mule doesn't know anything. So remember, you're starting to build your center lines during that groundwork. So if you can't turn and can't, you know, really roll the hind roll front on the ground, it, it ain't going to be any easier for you in the saddle. So get it as solid as you can on the ground, and that might take you a day or two. might take you uh, some time. Uh, I don't know. Um and if you can you can do both you do a little groundwork each day maybe 10 15 20 minutes of it and then get on and ride um that's kind of how i like to do it uh you know do what you need to do there though but go through that checklist check on the things try to get as good as you can on the ground then get in the saddle now now you say that my problem is that he will not turn unless it's the way he wants to go this is true this is true whether they turn good or not. Um, they'll go the way they want to go. It's just the key is is to get them to want to go the way that you want to go. Um, so your turning problem, if you see here, your turning really isn't that big of a problem. And in fact, the, the, he'll, he'll turn fine w with you continuing to work on this, okay? And as long as you're being particular about your seat, leg, and rein positions, your, your turns are going to be no problem at all, okay? What the problem is is that they have this draw to the gate, to the barn, to your whatever, whatever they're they're attached to there. That's the draw, okay? So basically, like if, you know, this barn that they love so much, um, just ride, ride the mule right there if you can. Ride the mule right there and just be a little busier right there at the barn. And little by little, day by day, I'm going to try to go further out away from the barn. Okay. So, um, today I'm going to say, you know what, I just want to get a hundred foot away from the barn. Okay. My goal is over there, that tree, hundred foot away. And basically you're going to play the hot and cold game with this mule. Okay. You're going to let the mule go toward the barn. You're not going to try to make this mule go toward, let's just say the tree. Like I mentioned, you're not going to make them go to the tree. You're going to let them find it like the hot and cold game I mentioned. Okay. And you're going to kind of utilize whatever turns the mule has to offer. But there at the barn, I might try to do some figure eights or uh, roll the hind roll front or do little one eighth turns or ribbons or whatever you want to do there. But you might walk trot lope, whatever. But nonetheless, they're going to be busier at the barn. And the closer they get to, this tree or your goal or 
the post or the fence, whatever you, you chose, the closer they get, the the more you're going to ease off. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna ease off and, and leave them alone there. So it's crucial that you make it easy to go. The problem here is is I think that maybe a lot of time has been spent trying to make the mule go away rather than letting them go. So try to make the right thing easier. You see here, it, it's already hard enough for the mule to leave. They think that the barn is is the best place, okay? So it's already difficult. It's the most difficult for them to leave. We got to make it the easiest for them to leave. So in order to do that, since it's already difficult to leave, you may have to make staying at the barn more difficult than leaving, okay? Just the difficulty needs to outweigh uh, where it is that you want to go. So make it difficult there at the barn. Make it easy to go. And then you let them find it. But don't make them go. Let them. I can't stress that enough. Don't make them go, okay? Because it's already difficult, all right? But that's pretty much all I do. In the meantime, I'm working on particulars. I'm just going up the checklist, getting each quarter to where it can move and operate, and life is good there, okay? All right. Thank you for that question, Nick. Let me know what you think. Let me know how it goes for you, okay? Okay, um, now this last question I want to address is from Justin Suavelli. Uh, sorry, Justin, if I just killed that last name, but Suavelli, Justin Suavelli. Okay, good morning, Ty. I have a ton of questions. I just stumbled across your podcast, thankfully. So he gave me a little, Justin, give me a little background about what's going on. Um, he's from uh, Virginia. And... Started, uh, basically started packing his a mule and a donkey, and um, he he just leads them out on the trail, okay? Now he's, uh, Justin, and I'm not going to mention who's and what's here because I don't, I don't do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk bad about people here on my podcast, um, but he, but he's, he's, he's mentioning some names here. Uh, at people he's been following and, and whatever. And this individual that he's following, we do things very, very different, Justin. So uh, you wrote in, you know, you, you know who, who, who or what I'm talking about here. Um, so just know, I'll start off by saying that we do things very different. Now, it's okay to do things different. And you guys, you know, you really can't talk too much crap about doing things different from other people because, you know, if methods, different methods work, different processes work, you know, you get results and, you know, it's a good thing. I guess that's so many of these methods and result uh, processes work and get results because horses and mules and donkeys are easy to work with. There's a reason we ride horses, mules and donkeys. We ride equine. And we don't ride giraffes and, 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 you know, bison and these other animals, you know, are, are, are the choice animal for transportation for thousands upon thousands of years has been a horse, a mule or a donkey. Okay. They're easy to work with. They really are. And that's why so many different methods, so many different ways can work. Okay. So, there are certain things that I like to do and certain things I don't like to do. And I've had lots of experiences 
And usually when I say not to use a tool or not to do this, not to do that, it has been because I've had experience with it and I've learned that that is not the best option. And I'm looking for the best option. I, I found good things. I found better things. I'm still looking for the best stuff. Um, so I just want to set it up by saying that, okay, Justin, uh, because your questions are a little, uh, you know, the first question here is a little, a little particular to that. Um, so Justin writes that this mule, um, is okay with, with a rope halter. Um, but when he tries to put on a, the, a tool called a come along, uh, the, the mule does not like that and doesn't react or it, it says it, it puts its head up and, um, you know, he, he, he's saying, should he retrain the mule to the come along or whatever this is? First off, Justin, I don't use that tool, okay? All I use on their head. I don't use chains. I don't use mule halters. I don't use come alongs. I don't use any gimmicks on their head, okay? Um, basically. If, if it's not a rope halter, snaffle bit, hackamore, or bridle, I don't, I don't use it on their head. That's, that's all I use is a halter, and I say, and a rope halter is preferred, and a hackamore. And when I say hackamore, I'm talking about a true traditional hackamore. I'm not talking about the mechanical things. I'm talking about a traditional hackamore, okay? That's a Bozell Makati and a hanger. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the snaffle bit is just a smooth mouth O-ring snaffle bit. That's what I prefer. And then a bridle bit. And that can be like a half breed or like a correction bit or like a spade bit. That's what I'm talking about, okay? That's pretty much all I'm going to use on their head. So I wouldn't I, – I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to recommend the come along. That's pretty much his next question. Um he said, I, know, I did notice that you do not seem to like this particular tool and thought I would ask what you would do in lieu of that. So in instead of dragging the mule around everywhere, because that's kind of how they're designed, is to drag around and pull them around, I start by my groundwork. The very first step of the groundwork is clearing the front. And we do this on a loose rein. Now this might blow people's minds, but I don't pull them around. I'm not trying to just do pressure and release, meaning pulling and and releasing. But I'm I'm actually going to teach this on a loose rein, okay? And I'm going to let them find it. And I'll do more driving rather than dragging, okay? So that's what I do. I teach them to lead. I teach them to lead. I don't just drag them around, okay? So, and you do that by teaching that front end to go one way or the other, okay? To the left or to the right. And you get that front end loose. And then you work to build a circle, so they're going forward. And then you build rolling the hind, so you can get control of the hindquarters. And you keep going like that. And here, later on down in here, in your, uh, lower in your paragraph here that you sent me, Justin, you said that the mule really likes to just square up and brace. Well, this is because it's been pulled on. When they've been pulled on, they're just going to square up and brace to you. Okay, so you're going to send the mule to the left or to the right. And that's how you're going to get this movement. You can't drag them, but you can drive them, okay? Next part of your question here, Justin, you say, uh, also, I have a, a bit of a hard time catching her in the field. 
and have been putting her halter on over the gate before I go into the field. Should I change this? Justin, um, yes, I, I would change this. I want to catch with quality every time. If you get a chance, check out our online video library. One of the very first videos in our 2020 Everyday Mulemanship Challenge collection is catching with quality, okay? And I need to be able to go in there, put the halter, uh, you know, around the neck, tip the nose to me, catch the nose, tip the nose to me yet again, and halter them right there, work on putting their head down, things like that. So catching with quality is is really important there. Okay, so then he writes on a little bit. This is a little long, friends. So he writes on here a little bit. Um, uh, do you think it's... Um, do you think it's realistic for me to try and pack her in the wilderness this September? You know, as as long as you are confident that that the mule will lead. So so he's so Justin is is going to be hiking, and he's going to pack this this mule. Um, yeah, definitely go for it. As long as you are leading with quality, and you know they're just moving nice off of a good rope halter. Um, no big deal. You shouldn't have any issues. It shouldn't be a, a big deal for you. So that's a great goal. And, you know, right now it's mid, mid July as I'm recording this July 20th of 2021 and September still a month and a half or more away. So yeah, you can do it. Work for it. There's a little bit more here. Next question. Should I put a grazing muzzle on her to stop feeding while we are leading around? So this meal wants to eat all the time when 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 he's leading her down the trail and stuff. Uh, I don't recommend a grazing muzzle all the time, Justin, uh, just because I, I want to teach them just to be with me. Now, you could put a grazing muzzle on and it'd help you. But you know what? You'll notice if you get this meal broke to lead really nice on a loose rein and you're not just dragging it around, that meal is going to be right with you, and you're not going to have to deal with so much eating. But, you know, it's kind of up to you. If you don't want to fight it, yeah, you could put a grazing muzzle. Um, I, I, I don't. I would, I would kind of work through it. But I do enjoy the journey. It's not uh, just the destination for me. I do enjoy the journey. And so, you know, that's going to be up to you, okay? Uh, thoughts on hobbling. Yeah, I think every mule should know how to wear hobbles. I'm a big fan of figure eight hobbles, rope hobbles. Um, I love hobbles. My mules get hobbled all the time. If you've been to one of my clinics uh, before, any of you, then you have seen my mules hobbled up, standing next to my trailer. They, they all get hobbled. I just wrote an article for Western Mule Magazine about uh, why I hobble and, and how I teach them. So if you're interested in that, check out Western Mule Magazine and uh, check out that article on hobbles. And... The next part here from Justin, Highline versus electric fence. Highline all the way because I don't like hauling all the junk for an electric fence. Um, it's one thing if you're just camping at your trailer, that's fine. But if when I'm packing into the wilderness, you know, or even even at the trailer, I, I prefer a Highline. Um, I feel better with them on a Highline too than the electric fence. I've had a lot of animals bust through electric fences elk come through deer come through a moose i mean whatever uh bust down your electric fence bye-bye mules um so i prefer the high line personally um and last question i kind of 
covered this already, Justin, about the shoes, but I have been told that she should probably have shoes out west. Um, yeah, if you're going to come out west for these trips, like I told um, Nick, yeah, put shoes on. Then you're set. You don't have to worry about it um, on your mule or for your donkey, okay? Anyways, that was a bunch of questions there. I uh, appreciate you sending those in, Justin. Hopefully you found some help in that. And I want to thank all of you great friends for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I love hearing from you guys. I love getting the feedback about the podcast. Um, let me know what you think of it. If you guys are listening on Apple, uh, I, uh, Apple Podcasts specifically, you can leave a review on there for me. Uh, leave a five-star rating if you think we deserve it. If you're not, if you're listening on some other platform, you're welcome to email me, ty at tsmules.com. I'd love to hear from you about the podcast, and I would love to answer your questions. So until next time, friends, God bless you, and we will see you down the road.